0: Mark Bill, what's going
1: on? <laughs> How's man? it going, man? All right, good, 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 good. I'm good. gonna I'm gonna
0: just try to get us to go live right away. Let me just um
1: Okay, that's cool.
0: I'm uploading it to uh YouTube now.
1: I like your sweater. Hey, well, you know, I'm going commando today, so understand I may spring up at any point with nothing down bottom. So uh I
2: need
1: you to be prepared. Uh we can use that man <laughs> for our ratings.
2: All right, here we go. What's up, everybody? Everybody tuning in? All right, I'm Mark. Mark DeMeo. I'm your host. This is another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. I'm here with my co-host, Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill?
0: Whoa, man, that was close. I don't know what happened, you know?
2: We got a special guest here tonight. He's back again. Yeah, I'm calling you Mr. TV from now on, because he's on every TV show every time I turn on my TV. There he is. (laughs) Telling us what, what's what's happening in crime. Uh, Dr. Darren Portia uh, joins us again. What's up, da- uh, Dr. Darren?
1: Well, Mark, you got to understand, I'm a big star. So, know. you know, when I do these things, right, it's very <laughs> important. So uh, I'm ingratiated to be a part of Police Off the Cuff. And no, I'm just teasing you, but on a serious note, I'm happy to sit down and talk to you guys. We could chop up. We'll throw a little humor in there, of course. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. one, you know, bigger than anything, we could speak as a counterpart so we could discuss a lot of the things that, or the fuckery that's been plaguing society. Going, a lot of stuff going politics, on. Politics, not- oh man. You can shoot yourself in the foot for the fuckery that you see going on nowadays. Starring the one and only Bill de Blasio with the oh, co-star God. of Governor Cuomo. Is that so, Michael or is that beer? What, what was, was I going? watching? I was watching. Or, or, or is it both?
2: no it's a little brewski i was watching Heshi. Okay. you know Heshi, right no i can't say that i do Heshy is the guy from brooklyn he's some type of uh he's running for something he does these videos um and now he's got he goes to a well he's in a catering hall now and he's okay. showing you all the uh orthodox weddings going on what's up i am back. he's got his own show hey this is Heshi. look 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 at the people and he shows you a room full of Orthodox Jews, and then and then he takes you to another room.
1: He's a Jew? Place. He's a Jew himself?
2: Yeah, heshey uh, okay. You never, the first video that he had that it became popular was when he interrupts a press conference there in Brooklyn. And he's he's like, show me the numbers, show me the numbers. Cause they're talking about how the numbers have spiked and how many people are dying. I'm in the hospital every day. Every day I go there, I don't see this. Where is this numbers? people are dying so that was the first one and now he's gained some momentum bill you've seen him right has she
1: oh is this the guy uh that said something about de blasio's wife called her a whore or something like that i don't
2: think so i don't think he would do that oh okay i I mean
0: you know mark we have to uh bring up something we had four new patreon customers join us this this week and that's the first time we ever had that so we have to shout out their names because, Darren, we love we love you, but these people are paying money to see us. That's what I'm talking about. You know? Now, that's the West, that, That's what we really need to get into. That's right. So, John McManus, I work. He was Big a, John. He was a sergeant with me in the 2-6 uh, back in 1990. Tommy Kennedy, a legend, 3-2 anti-crime legend. Robert Edward Norman, just a, a stranger but loves our show. Austin, thank you guys so much for joining uh, our Patreon and uh, we'll see if we can uh, get a mug sent out to you, one of those dipped in butter mugs, because those were a big hit. So I just want to let uh, our fans know, subscribe to us on YouTube and join us on Patreon so we can eat steak instead of bologna sandwiches.
2: Mm-hmm. Thanks <laughs> a lot for what I'm talking about. <laughs> so back to Heshi. So, you, Bill,
0: do you know who Heshi is? I don't know who he is, No.
2: All right. Well, I, I'm a bit like I can't get enough of this guy. Apparently he's and he's calling them all sorts of names when he's uh, uh, re- recording. He's recording live, you know, and he's sending he's putting it out on his page. He doesn't get a lot of hits because I know if he did, he'd probably get arrested. <laughs> you never really see people's faces. He just shows you the room real quick. It's obviously in Brooklyn and there's hundreds of people in these rooms. And then he'd take you to another room and he goes, uh, nobody's, we were having weddings every day, two or three a day. He says, we're having babies. Nobody's stopping us. I dare you. I have armed guards upstairs. Try it. And he calls them Kokomo and uh, the Blazina. Yeah, he, it's interesting. It's
1: interesting to, in to watch these people fight back. Goes in hard, man. Let me tell you, Christmas just passed. And, you know, I tried to do on Christmas Eve what the Italians do with the seven fishes. But I um, went to the Gordon's frozen fish section. They didn't have seven <laughs> fish outside. of. We had fish sticks. We had whiting. And then it was kind of tight for me from that point forward. Did you guys enjoy your Christmas?
0: I, I heard the porgies weren't running in Montauk. Yeah, yeah,
1: okay. Cool, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. That's what I'm talking about. Did you guys enjoy your Christmas? Great, great yeah, Christmas. of course. It
2: was nice. It was nice. I mean, obviously, you know, um, we had to abide by uh, You couldn't have these large gatherings and stuff like yeah. that. So. You know, not that I, I'm doing that kind of stuff anyway. But um, still, I would imagine for bit, people with big families, it was a hardship. You know, who who gets to sit with who? Who gets to go over whose house?
1: You yeah. know,
2: it's a serious yeah. thing, COVID. You know, uh, I had a friend pass away. I have uh, another friend who's still in the hospital right now. So it's a serious thing.
1: Uh, yeah, and, but, you, you know, my condolences go out to your friend that passed away on a serious note. Yeah, 50 um, but- years old. Yeah, but, you you know, it's crazy. Like, at this age, you know, we're more giving people shit as opposed to receiving things you know it was great when you were kidded for christmas you know you gave out a list and you had an expectation of receiving a whole bunch of shit nowadays you're basically writing checks for everything especially (laughs) if you got kids or if a guy has six girlfriends you know and then when we look at variable supplement time you blow all of that shit you know you can't
0: let people know about that that's top secret shit you know um,
1: (laughs) how many
2: stations do you work for you work for fox and what else or is it just Fox exclusive?
1: Pornhub you- exclusively. <laughs> uh, yeah, you no, Pornhub exclusively. You know, so Are you- outside of Pornhub. I do a couple of side jobs, but that's basically what it is, you know. But I mean, but do you that, know, is it exclusive with Fox? No, I don't have that. No, I don't. The only thing I have exclusive is with my old lady. And the reason why it's exclusive with her, because I don't want her to put a fucking bullet in me because she's that type of broad, you know. Yeah. I have a lunatic in here, you know what I mean?
0: You know, Darren, I Haley. noticed tonight, tonight you're not in your office at Pace University. They they, uh, oh, no, what, no, what, that's they lock case. you out for the no. holidays? No,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, nah, nah, you're funny. You know, generally speaking, I have a backdrop in my living room, but my old lady is in there watching television in the living room, and she's pissed off about a bunch of other things. That's why I had to peel off in the bedroom, because <laughs> I didn't want to step on the set with, with two black eyes looking like a raccoon. It's and like, No one would you know, be able it, to recognize me. It's
0: like the president lost the White House desk. <laughs> it's not the same for us. <laughs>
1: Uh-huh. Hey, let me tell you, you know, when we think of, when we speak about the president losing the election, I'm going to be really, you know, what is CNN going to have? There's going to be no more meat on the bones to chop at. Well, I'll tell well, you. What bigger they're that, but bigger than that, I, I'm going to let you lead in with this, Mark. I've never seen a more entertaining person at a press conference than Donald Trump. A case in point, you ever recorded a reporter that will ask Trump something like, well, Trump, How are you going to handle the, what do you think about the pandemic? And Trump will say, what do you, what I think about the pandemic? I think you're a terrible reporter. Next question. (laughs) I love that. You know what
0: I mean? You're fake fake news. I don't talk to guys like you.
1: (laughs) It's like Rodney Dangerfield is in the White House, you know, just doing what the fuck he
2: wants. It's hard. I don't want to distract you, but I'm getting itchy looking at you in that sweater with no undershirt. Is that wool?
1: I got an undershirt on. (laughs) All right. <laughs> you <laughs> want to see my ball? Bo- you want to see my balls? bar? <laughs> <way, I> <laughs> he's
2: got the wife beater on under there. Yeah, you know
1: what I'm saying. So hey, look, man. Let's so Darren, Darren, I just I don't to have to- the spaghetti scene on there, but uh. <laughs> I wanted okay, to Bill. ask
0: you uh, something something serious. Um, okay. This has probably been the longest year ever for law enforcement. It was a horrible, horrible year. Not just in New York City, but but nationally. There has been, we, uh, in November 2019, Mark and I spoke to Chief, the retired Chief Louis, Louis Anamon. He was on our show in the SBA studios there. And that was right after the, um, well, the summer was when the water was poured on that cop in New York City. Right. And it seemed like it just went downhill from there. I did
1: several stories on that. Yeah.
0: And, and right. it just, the disrespect and just the whole thing, it escalated into defunding the police and there's there's a lot of like allegedly serious people that are talking about that nonsense. And it's it's disturbing. And even all of us, well retired members of the service, no matter where I live, I don't want the police defunded. I want them around to defend me and defend my family and protect us, you know.
1: You know, that's a very accurate um, a very accurate assessment in that we want public safety and the sentiment of public safety should be universal. One of the things that impacted negatively on Democrats in the recent down ballot elections was that sentiment of defunding the police. That caused a lot of the seats to flip from Democrat to Republican as a result. The population wants to be protected. The question is, will they receive quintessential policing as a result? When we look at what happened just recently, I want to say maybe a month and a half, two months ago, up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the city council voted to defund the police. And the citizens of Minneapolis sued the Minneapolis City Council because there was a meteoric rise of violence that was plaguing that community and they had no answers for it. So as a result of it, what you had was now Minneapolis is co-opting officers from outside or adjoining counties to come in and police that 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 city of Minneapolis. And that's something that's reflective on a a national level. So when we look at what happened in places like Seattle, where we have the CHAZ zone, where there was the quote-unquote autonomy, where people allowed to commit to any acts of fuckery they, they choose to without fear of a deployment of police, it set forth a dangerous precedent. Something similar happened in Chicago. You didn't have an autonomous zone in Chicago, but at the same token, there was mass mayhem, and you didn't really have an answer from a public safety um, sentiment from the perspective of Mayor Lightfoot up in Chicago. That being said, on a national level, that defunding of police proved to be a travesty to the Democratic ticket, and they've suffered as a result. Yep. So now, as we move forward, good. I'm sorry, Mark, you were going to say something?
2: Hold on, because um, there's a hope inside Portland police seeking community collaboration amid shooting and murder surges. So the police is asking the people not to do it anymore. So in Portland, since they don't have enough cops anymore, they're asking the people not to do it.
1: You know what's happening in Portland is is a travesty because there was a side where, as I don't know if you remember, a couple of months ago, they went upwards of a hundred plus days of demonstrations with no response from law enforcement. So the White House subsequently deployed or or dispatched a team of federal agents to protect courthouses federal monuments, things to that effect. And it was met with great resistance by none other than the mayor of Portland. How are you gonna resist the assistance that you're gonna receive from the federal government from a law enforcement perspective when your city is subsequently being torn down and you have no answer? So it really begs the question of what side are you on as it relates to what's happening in Portland? And the same thing has happened in Seattle. Um, Washington, D.C., New York City, and Chicago. There's no plausible alternative. So when we look at this defunding the police, we had the lunatic that we have here in New York, Mayor de Blasio, he signed off on that thing to defund the police by a billion dollars. And what happened over the course of the summer here in New York? Was an absolute nightmare. We had that Occupy City Hall movement where they, literally speaking, destroyed that area of City Hall with graffiti. We had a series of riots that plagued New York City. We look at how looting um, manifested. Darren, on, they um, they
0: called they called those riots protests.
1: <laughs> those weren't protests; they were riots.
2: No, it's when, when they're talking about peaceful riots, they're talking to you about the daytime. And then the nighttime comes and they turn violent. That seems to be. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So if, if you have people coming out there to, to, to do the news, which we know the news cycle is not the way it used to be. You go back 10, 20, 30 years. You know, they came out once. They showed you the protest. And that's all you heard about it for that day. But now these things, they don't they don't end. So they start in the middle of the day and uh, where they start provoking the police, antagonizing them. Saying stuff, and then once the cops are just about on edge, the sun drops, and that's when they go nuts, and that's where they try to capture, uh, you know, police acting violently after they, uh, you know, they've been they've been babysitting for uh, eight hours already. And now the sun's gone down, and they start going nuts, destroying property, and uh, you know, the antagonizing gets they step it up. You
0: know, you know we had uh, Chief Anamone on, and we spoke about, um, you know. In the past, they would agree with the leaders of a demonstration, the hours, basically the rules of engagement. But there were no leaders, allegedly, in these demonstrations, because one out of the seven of the people that were arrested during these riots were from out of town.
2: Well, but you need a permit to, to have a leader. And the, 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 a lot of these uh, protests were just, pop. you know, whatever. They would just rush to an area that day. If there was an incident, a shooting, uh, there regardless of what the circumstances were they're flying over there um they're driving over there and they 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 start with the with the riots and the protesting and uh so they don't get a permit that's for sure
1: you know but it's probably it's also very problematic from the containment perspective we look at the seismic shift that occurred in the democratic party it's going overtly to the left and i give you an example um, back when Ed Koch was the mayor of New York City, we, we go back to the, um, the late 80s, um, early 90s, I want to say 91, 92, um, excuse me, not 91, the late 80s, Ed Koch was the mayor. He was a Democrat. He had very conservative views. Even with Dinkins, there was a sentiment of a conservative view from the law enforcement perspective. But As we've gotten into, when we look at the de Blasio administration, we really saw this seismic shift that turned the corner into this overtly progressive movement that seemed as if it was anti-police, um, anti-establishment, and it just kind of allowed people from various um, aspects of society to come in and do as they please with no inspection of a regulatory process. It's not just happening here in New York. When I look at, I refer to him as the Bernie Sanders wing of the Democratic Party, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Omar out of Minnesota you get pushing a very radical and dangerous agenda. And that's not what the 337 million Americans want. They basically, we, we don't wanna to be to the far right in terms of this being a, a militarized society, but we don't want it to the far left from the perspective of socialism. We want it to fall right in the middle. And the politicians on both sides a really in at somewhat of a can- cantankerous relationship because it's not getting done and it's subsequently impacting on us as citizens as a whole.
2: There you go. All right. Thanks for coming, Darren. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just explained the world to us. But, you know, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that, uh, but, you know, social media plays such a part of it because the people that scream the loudest now on social media are the voices that are heard and those are the ones making stories those are the ones that uh, grab the headlines so the more outrageous uh, the demand by the left the more it gets uh, circulated I mean we're being asked to do stuff all across uh, social boundaries not just in law enforcement I mean we're asking to change um, the you know just pronouns the way we describe ourselves we're being asked to just forget what somebody's gender is completely yeah.
1: That's nice you know what I'm saying? Like it ahead. has
2: nothing to do with with anything. You know, like in, in, in sports, for example. So it's not just um, in, in as far as policing goes that this this movement is is basically attacking our country. And uh, you know, it's, it's somebody at some point you have to step up and you know, okay, enough is enough. You know, and that's that's the point. Is like when is that going to happen? Not only here in New York, but nationally. You know.
0: Darren, you know what speaks volumes about this is when you get someone like Cuomo, who just will do anything the left says, and he he gets pissed because the police won't enforce the COVID uh, social distancing laws. But yet he, he and de Blasio have made New York City and New York State a sanctuary state, and then we won't even allow Homeland Security to arrest wanted felons.
1: Never in my life have I witnessed an experience whereas the federal government and the localized governments are having, a, having difficulty meeting in the middle from an enforcement perspective. You know, I just go back to like when I was a cop. We had our little skirmishes between um, the NYPD and the feds over things on a low level. But the one thing we were always in wholehearted agreement on is, look, we will take bad bad guys into custody. And then we'll argue about who takes the collar later. But now, when we look at this sanctuary city or sanctuary state um, procedure that's in play in places like New York and, and California, it's really denigrating the quality of life in the United States. We need to have an assemblance of localized law enforcement and federal law enforcement that are working in this symbiotic context so we can eradicate if we have these people that are coming in here from outside of the country to commit these crimes, we need them taken into custody. I just think that what de Blasio and Cuomo are doing or thinking they don't have a forward vision on what's right for the quality of life for us as New Yorkers. And unfortunately we're being hurt by this. Well, I think they're being guided they're
2: all being guided there's a movement going on and you you fall in line or you're going to reap it you know new york is one of them whether it's a redistribution of wealth and it comes to schools that's just if you're willing to admit that we're redistributing wealth when it comes to schools you might as well just say we're going to do it with everything all these real estate properties that are being abandoned or mortgages on, on properties that are not gonna be made for businesses. Who's gonna come in there and step in and take it over? Is it gonna be a private buyer? Is this person working for a company? Is the city buying buying it back? That's that's, that's pretty interesting. You know, like the fact that we're not letting people um, make, a, earn a, a pay their mortgages. We're not allowing them to, to work to pay off their mortgages. Only certain businesses too. Whether you're a conspiracy theorist or not, um, You know, like uh, my girlfriend mentioned to me today, you know, you can go to a mall and, you know, walk around in the mall and yet you can't go to uh, your local restaurant and uh, in in the city here, you know, and then it also breaks up like you go a little bit further north, you can eat inside now still and not in the city, you can't, there's really no, it seems like they're, they're trying to destroy these businesses
1: well, I, I,
2: space when, they, when they told him about the bathrooms, oh, you can't use the bathrooms. And then the next day, he says, uh, Blas, oh, no, 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 you can use the bathrooms. You screwed up somebody's business the whole night. You made them t- t- take down, you know, those little houses that they're building outside the restaurant. <laughs> they made them take him down for
1: the snowstorm.
2: And then he says, oh, that was a mistake. We shouldn't have done that.
1: Mark, I think with a lot of the COVID-19 provisions, they're building the plane as they learn how to fly it. And they're, they're making a lot of mistakes in the process. but more, more bigger than that, when we look at public safety and quality of life, it's really being impacted because people are leaving the city of New York, not just the city of New York but the largest cities throughout the United States in droves because Oof. the Oof. elected officials are not doing what's necessary to preserve the the integrity of these cities. And so when you look at rent you know rents for example, have have experienced a precipitous drop over the last few months in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. The city or the municipalities as a whole are not doing what's necessary to support these localized business owners because you can't have it both ways. You can't tax these people full boat if you're a business owner or a landlord. But at the same token, this person is bleeding at the seams because they're hemorrhaging money because you put forth these moratoriums on evictions, you've closed their businesses during the most significant um, time during the year, which is Christmas, they're not gonna be able to recoup that money anytime soon. And then the the, the disrespect or the disgrace of a six hundred dollar stimulus does absolutely nothing. Horrendous. I'm not Horrendous. I don't believe that we should just give people a, a stimulus. I think we need a forward plan on mm-hmm. hey, look, we're gonna have to have a tax reduction for these landlords or these business owners. There needs to be some level of an incentive. Uh, Darren, I'm extended. much
0: I'm much more concerned with gender studies in Pakistan.
1: Yeah, but what, what, about the, um,
2: what about all these, like Bill said, what about the countries that are getting this two money? Camels, two I, I camels believe... having
1: sex. <laughs> Nobody's
2: explained to us why we are sending money to other countries right now. It's supposed to be COVID stimulus for us, for here Americans.
1: I don't understand why are we sending money abroad to anybody for that matter? Well, there are certain things I do understand. I was an officer in the Army, and I found that there, there are many places abroad that, can be easily influenced by terrorist organizations. When we look at places like Sudan, for example, um, if that, I mean, that country has basically, they, they, um, they go with the wind of the highest bidder. We look at what happened with Al-Qaeda and, um, and ISIS And that was done based on a lot of these places just didn't have the support. So it's necessary for us as a first world entity to support a lot of these countries, these third world countries in the wake of terrorism. Because what it does, you may see it from the perspective of we're throwing money in the wind, but we're ultimately presenting a fortification for us as Americans in preventing these terrorist acts from overseas to striking us here in the United States. And we saw it on full, full-fledged full on stage what happened in 9-11. The, a lot of these terrorist acts have been thwarted over the course of time, but it really hinges, hinges on us having these relationships with a lot of these governments and those relationships are predicated on aid.
2: Well, if they would have came out with the $2,000 stimulus, right off the bat, you would have never heard that the money was going to those other countries. And, uh, you know, I have no problem with what you're saying that we have to take care of the Sudans in the world. It goes to the highest bidder. But I, what it bothers me is like, I don't understand why you can't create another bill for that, which nobody's even going to question. Why does it have to be included in
1: the COVID bill?
2: You know what I'm saying? Hey, then it stupid. You,
0: then you're
1: referring, I'm sorry. You're referring to pork barrel legislation. And that's been historically a problem in Washington for years on end. If you have one bill, you put one or two line items, and that should be it. Don't put the kitchen sink in there for, okay, we want an internet bill. We want a bill that that focuses on gender and things to that effect. That's the shit show in Washington that's denigrating us as a country. So to your point, Mark, you're 100% accurate in that. Let's go with a bill specifically for COVID and none of the other bullshit. Or, like I said, they would, have never, they would have never
2: known or cared, the average American, where the, the rest of the money is. Uh, it was a slap in the face, the 600 bucks. I don't know why they let, that, uh, they let that get out. I don't know who that was trying to appease. You can't give somebody $1,200, wait eight months later, and then give them 600. It just doesn't make any sense.
1: Not yeah, that, that was, the, the, you
2: know, is, the money's a,
1: a game breaker anyway. It's, just, it's, a, it's a patch. That <laughs> was infighting in Washington. And that's what got us to where we are. And I blame both sides on this. And it goes back to pork barrel legislation, meaning legislators are looking to input things that will prosper their districts on top of the bill that was being introduced. And that's a real problem that we've had with Washington for years on that.
0: Well, what New York State is one of them. Prior to COVID hitting, uh, Cuomo was seven billion in the hole. That's bad yeah. management. That's real no, bad it management.
1: Is. It is, but one thing that you do have to look at, look at: we, as the state of New York give more money to Washington than the gross majority of the other states in the country. Meaning like what we give um, the money that, that um, Washington garners from tax revenues from New York State, it far exceeds the tax revenue that Washington garners from um, Wyoming, Indiana, North Dakota, South Dakota. No, we, we pay way more taxes Not than Not anymore. Oh, in no way, shape, or form do they pay as much as we do. I know, but but it's going to drop
2: significantly now.
1: But the problem with that is a lot of these states, like be it North Dakota, um, Idaho, Alaska, they are taking more than they're putting in. Whereas we as New York, we're putting more into the national budget than we're getting back. And that's a problem. And no one is coming to the table and saying, hey, look, Un- cut enough of this you are not managing your money i understand what you're saying in terms of the como situation but not for nothing we put a lot more into that pot than a lot of these other states like kentucky and kentucky is getting leaps and bounds more than we are here in the in, in the state of new york more percentage wise percentage wise
0: right the feds can just print money states can't do that So they're looking for a bailout from the federal government. Not
1: necessarily print money, because when you, let's say if you print money out, then you know, you devalue the dollar. And then we revert back to the early 1970s when the economy collapsed um, under the Carter administration. So you can't just print the money. It has to come from a plausible source. And a lot of these plausible sources, as Mark mentioned, come from foreign aid that we're giving to countries outside of the United States. We're also funding a lot of programs here that in no way, shape or form am I in agreement on. And you have these lawmakers that are signing off on it. And it's a problem because the things that we really need to cash for are not getting the money as a result.
0: Right. You know what I wanted to uh, touch upon? The uh, DOI report just came out. And it was—I don't know if you read it, Darren. It was a yes. I'm familiar with it. Like 112 points, right? But it was like 112 page. But what it really was was a hit job on the NYPD. Uh, The the DOI is supposed to be an independent um, investigative agency, but they are no way uh, independent when they're all appointed by the mayor. So this was hit job part one. Part two is going to be Letitia James, who's the state attorney general. She's going to do a report for Cuomo. That's going to be as bad as the city's DOI report or worse. But some of the things they came up with are just out and out fiction. It's like these people cannot be that stupid. I guess they are because they wrote this report. Well, there were
1: 20 benchmarks in that report from the DOI, which um, begged the question of the NYPD's level of effectiveness or, uh, you know, if- Efficiency, so to speak. And a lot of this was focused or promulgated um, on how the NYPD addressed the demonstrations and the riots in the wake of the death of George Floyd. Now, Como, I say Como, um, de Blasio was on board with a lot of this. And I just felt that he was the problem in many aspects. So, case in point, when we look at the deployment of personnel, um, one of the things was the NYPD's deployment was too slow. When the flashpoints and these riots erupted throughout the city, be it in Soho, um, up in um, the Bronx, or in the Fordham Road area, but a lot of that evolved around De Blasio putting forth a moratorium on the deployment of cops because he felt that these people were um, justifiably protesting within the purview of their constitutional um, protected uh, protected rights. That wasn't the case. These people were rioting, they weren't protesting. So he ultimately shoulders all of that responsibility because, you know, Bill, Mark, not for nothing, you guys, the three of us clearly know there's no department that's better capable of handling these riots than the NYPD. However, if you have an elected official at the forefront that's placing a hold on the deployment of personnel, then nothing is gonna get done. And Aaron, his, his, words,
0: his words were he wanted a soft touch what does that tell you right he didn't it's want it's difficult him- it's
1: difficult for you to employ a soft touch when a person has a baseball bat and they're batting down the um the front glass of an establishment in an attempt to go in there and loot right. um, what do you got what are you gonna do oh just relax guy yeah. take it easy you know, this when you when you're done over there, come out with your hands up, and we'll walk you to Central Booking. But <laughs> keep in <laughs> mind, keep in mind, we're operating a catch and release stream in the wake of barrel reform. That too,
0: that too.
2: What about the um, the Molotov cocktails inside the police cars? What about the uh, the demonstration over the bridge where the the the, the chief? Um, I was on that
1: bridge when that he gets,
2: happened. He gets it's hit like with the happened. in the head. I mean, you could just count like countless in- incidents where uh, there was nothing but violence, and I'm not really sure what you're supposed to do. I think basically, your job at that point as a police officer is to take the lumps for the city. That's what that's what they're saying. That you know, don't line a duty, just try not to get dead, and uh, get your two weeks off and come back. Um, and everybody just does that. I, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're supposed to do if you're not going to be able to fight back. Um, or stop them from doing it, then at some point, why are you there? Just to get hurt? You
1: know, I mean, it's just crazy. Like, one of the things that I saw in the report was a term they use, kettling.
0: Yeah, and oh, that I, was lo- basically, I love that. I love that. Yeah,
1: Surrounding the protesters. i give you an example. When water, when you have a spill on your floor, you surrounded it with paper towels because you don't want it to run into other areas. That's mm-hmm. basically what happened. The cops surrounded. It was a containment strategy. We have something that we use that we refer to as isolation and containment when we're dealing with EDPs. So when you have a large group of people that are violently demonstrating, you make sure that that group of people stays in a specific area and it doesn't spill over into other aspects of the city.
0: Well, but Darren, they to that kettling, as kettling. Well, kettling worked, and that's why they didn't like it. It separated two or three groups of rioters, and then they had nowhere to go. They didn't know what to do. That is that is a technique used by the NYPD, it actually works. So they didn't like and that, but it, it worked. You know? I
1: agree. Well, I don't think it's so much they didn't like it. I think that you had incompetent people that were at the helm making these uh, assessments in connection with what the NYPD did and how they handled these particular demonstrations.
0: You know, but I just, it just, I just want to read number seven of one of their 20 recommendations. This is the most outrageous thing I've ever read in my life. To the extent NYPD deems the assignment of specialized units or officers in riot gear or excuse me, this is number five or hard uniforms potentially necessary to protest response. It should stage those officers in nearby areas not visible to protesters for deployment only if necessary. So they don't want the snowflakes to get upset when they see cops in riot gear, but they're willing
2: about this last week. That's something that was already practiced. When I was in the task force, we used to go and sit 2 or 3 blocks away and Captain Stewart would walk to wherever this demonstration was he'd find out where they want us and then he'd walk back so that that thing right there that's a tactic that's been used since I was in the task but, force but
0: not ago. not in a riot and not in a protest that's occurring at night when the protests because are not supposed call, to happen at night
2: if you're calling in the task force right they're going to come to a certain location and they're going to they don't just park their car, jump out, and join everybody. You, you come in as a show of force. You're going to line up. You got your hats and bats, your shields, and you walk in as a show of force, and you all walk in together. So you're not going to go right into the riot scene, which we already do that. So I don't even understand why it's part of that report. that we, The job yeah. already does that.
1: Well, you got to look at it from this perspective. Um, You know, the task force has since been um, transitioned, switched out to the strategic response group, SRG. The officers that are on the scene at a riot, they should have helmets on because you have people throwing bricks, water, and all kinds of shit. So they do need to be afforded certain protections from the uniform perspective. That's why they wear the helmets. But according to
2: that report, they want you to not wear a helmet until somebody gets hit in the head with a brick right. and then
1: they'll reevaluate. Reactive policing in essence. That's what the Right, right. It, it's, it, you know, and I saw that and I don't agree with it but it goes back to the people that made those recommendations were not practitioners in law enforcement. Therefore, they didn't have a a comprehensive understanding as to why the officers are wearing those helmets, why why they're carrying those batons. And a lot of it is, I'm sorry, Ken. What they should do is, if you're going to have this day and night situation, then you need
2: to switch the tours right in the middle of it. Because what's happening right now is you have a, a people that are protesting peacefully during the day and you have cops showing up there with their hats and bats already when nothing's going to happen. So put just, as soon as you see that sun going down, that other platoon should, you should be switching. Now we all know how, what, how that happens. And it's, it's a difficult thing to take hundreds of cops out, put hundreds of cops in, but you're also putting fresh feet in there, fresh minds, you weren't standing around getting verbally ab- abused for the last five hours. You know what I'm saying? Fresh people in. That's, that's my opinion.
0: Well, one of the things uh, that the report also doesn't touch upon is that the NYPD was worn to the max. They were working 12 to 14 hour tours. They just came off the big COVID thing. And they didn't care that officers were going from 12 hour tours one day to work a 12 hour tour the next day. There was no humanity in the part of the DOI to realize how a a, a human being, you know, is going to be exhausted. Also,
2: also too, what they did, I remember in the middle of all this nonsense, and I see a highway car. I'm like, it's one of these days where there was no protest and nothing going on. But when something like this starts happening, and it's going around all over the country, forget about highway for right now. Everybody's a cop. Go get your hat and bat. Sit there and wait for us for to get called. We're gonna put you guys, your highway guys, put, leave your memo books and your summonses behind because for the next couple of weeks, you're gonna be a cop again. Come on, join, join the party, get involved. That you gotta use all your resources at this point. You gotta stop with every other detail that you have because all that stuff is stuff where you do when everything is running right. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has to be on board, one purpose. You leave the basic people out there answering radio runs and everybody else, including that building down there, the Puzzle Palace, everybody else has to be ready to go. And you just move, that's that's my opinion. Because this the, is- The
1: strategic deployment of personnel was gravely lost. I wholeheartedly agree with you, Mark. I, you know, I, I've gone through a lot of these neighborhoods. I remember when this was happening, and the were, cops were not positioned in places where I felt they should have been. Um, I live in the Riverdale section of the Bronx. I drive through Washington Heights every day when I'm going into Manhattan. And I just didn't see the robust deployment of personnel that should have been in play in the areas of Washington Heights. Um, when I look at what was happening on Fordham Road, when they had those riots and they basically looted all of those businesses, you did not have the boots on the ground in those places initially. It was it became more of a reactive mechanism. But it begs the question of why didn't we have that strategic deployment of personnel, as you mentioned, as opposed to having cops that are doing highway. Now, listen, I'm not. I think that it's necessary to pull people over because I, there was a point, you know, during a pandemic where everyone was driving at 100 miles an hour, and it was like, okay, we need to do something. I got that. But you also have to look. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So you also have to look at what you have and then you, you focus on a life over limb policy. We needed bodies. We needed boots on the ground to effectively interdict these demonstrations that were destroying and decimating the city of New York. And it just wasn't there. I also feel that there was a leadership void and the leadership void is what I believe was promulgated from City Hall in the wake of the edict that came from. Well, Mayor Darren, de, Mayor de what Blasio. was what
0: was missing from the report was the interview <laughs> with Mayor De Blasio and the interview with Governor Cuomo, because they were to blame for this. Where was the interview in that Whole report? Hardly. Why weren't Whole they inter- Why weren't they interviewed and interviewed as to what did you tell the police to do? And then, Listen, what what did you tell the police commissioner to do? And Cuomo, why were you bashing the police during this? Why wasn't these questions asked in that report?
2: You know, when it comes to that report, nobody. What does it mean, really? What what significance does it mean? What it means nothing. is they want them to
0: nothing. No, but they want them to nothing's to, to undertake those twenty recommendations. It's and not going to happen.
2: So, like I just mentioned to you right now, you're bringing up number five, and I told you they used to Yeah, do but that, that still
0: either. is no good. I don't care what you say. That is That's no good. That's a fact, though. That's you a do fact. Not, you do not have cops going to a riot without helmets on. I don't Who's care what, going what the procedure that, was. It's
2: not going to a riot. They like were there. Oh, so
0: you're going to keep your dog, no, the, no, no, the top no, 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 dogs no,
2: no. off the set? If you look at the demonstrations, they way they worked, they were protesting during the day, and as soon as it got dark, it got violent. All right. So we know that now. So now if you're going to an area, for example, and now mind you, at, th- at some point, everybody's going to be out of, the, out of the vans and everybody's going to be involved. But everybody flies there. They sit in the vans. They wait to where they're going to go. And now once you're out, you're out. You're not coming back to your car.
0: You tell that lieutenant who got hit in the head with a brick that he can't wear his helmet. You tell the cops that saw pallets of bricks being delivered. Was that Home Depot delivering them? I don't think so. You tell cops... Uh, who they wouldn't allow mounted to be used? They wouldn't allow aviation to be used. They well, that's a whole
2: different dr- story.
0: Yeah, but that's ha- that's helmet, how you put that me That's that, how you, you police me we had a riot. last
2: week, he brought it up too. What did you do? Your hats and bats. You take your bat with you. You put your helmet on. You find a pizzeria. Hey, buddy, can we put our hel- can I put my helmet here? Yeah, and then shit happens. You go in there, you get your helmet, and you put it on because nobody wants to be wearing that helmet for twelve hours a day anyway. If you were there, but that's the problem. You have these guys there during the day. From four to like eight or nine in the summer, then the sun goes down, and it's the same guys who been getting shit and pissed on all freaking day, and it's the same people handling it. When you should, you should have some way to move fresh bodies in there. You know. Yeah, it was a failure. There was a
1: there was a failure in leadership, to say the least. Definitely was, and I I, I beg you know I I see Mayor De Blasio as the terminal component in the failure of leadership and the deployment of personnel?
2: I think when it comes to situations like that, you shouldn't even have to ask. The, first of all, you shouldn't ask and you shouldn't you shouldn't even take a phone call from them. You're the chief of the department, you're going to run it. When it's all said and done, we can sit down and have a conversation. You're not going to tell me I can't use my helicopters. You're not going to tell me I can't use my dogs. Um, you're not going to tell me any of that. I'm in charge of the police department. What? We're seeing it right now, okay? That place, that autonomy, uh, autonomous zone in Staten Island, who, who locked them up? The 120? No, they had to send in the sheriffs because nobody was going to touch that guy. Upstate, where the sheriffs uh, tell Cuomo, yeah, we're not going to enforce Thanksgiving. So we're already seeing a difference between who's going to police what when, depending on how the police feel. So at that time, you need the police commissioner to step up and say, listen, this is what we're going to do. Okay? If we need the helicopters, let's use them. If we need this, that, and the other. He could get calls all day. Oh, we, I don't want you using them. Okay, fine. Boom. What are you going to do? We're the cops. We'll deal with it afterwards.
0: That's it. Mark, I don't think you understand how it works. The mayor is the commander-in-chief of the police department. Okay. If he tells you not to do something and you do it, you're, you're gone. What are you going basically... to do fight right in the middle yeah, no, of right? he's got, Yeah, he'll get rid of you. Absolutely. And okay. then, then, then you're going to have to get rid of, rid of, of you. on He just hand. said <laughs> that if the NYPD does not adopt those 20 recommendations uh-huh. the top chiefs can leave
1: yeah that's what he said that's what he said he said anybody doesn't like it can leave now That's what all he right. Said. Well, then
2: you just keep having it all these guys got over 20 years on the job anyway you just keep having it I never, because look what was the difference now you have to answer for these riots if the riots would have been squelched real quick you don't have to answer for them now you're sitting there and like how does, how come all these cities are going on fire and New York is fine you got, what well, you're gonna tell the, the mayor's gonna be, maybe he might be pissed at you behind closed doors,
1: but he's not gonna go on TV and go, he's gonna be like, yeah, they did a great job. I blame, I blame police commissioner Shea for a large part of this, because you gotta stand for something or you fall for anything. If police commissioner Shea was to walk in the door or one of these press conferences to say, hey, look, you know what? I am wholeheartedly in agreement for the public safety for the eight and a half million residents of the city of New York. I have a strategy that is successful, but the mayor is unwilling to allow me to introduce the strategy. Therefore, from the perspective of public safety for all New Yorkers, I feel it is best because the mayor and I are in a disagreement or at odds as a result of that. This is the time you step down. You know what would happen? Shea would probably get the best job on the face of this earth behind doing some shit like that. Like, okay, this is a guy that put- Abandoning his post at the time he's needed the most? Oh no, 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 that's not abandoning your post. Really if You're really? a general, if you're a general and I don't give you rifles to fight the, to fight the war, then I'm not your guy. Mm-hmm. And that's the situation that we have here. You're not affording him the logistics to protect the citizens of the- happened around right. the country. It happened
2: in other states. It's not a good
1: look. I wouldn't have quit. I would have just said, you know what? We'll I, I, I just think, no, you know what I think would happen? I think that would force his hand. I think that would force the mayor's hand. Like, okay, look, I got to do something about this shit because now the public will turn on you as what's happening up in Minneapolis, Minnesota in the wake of the defund police movement. The public actually sued the city council because they realized that the defunding of the police movement was not working. And so with the de- with the... What the city council in Minneapolis did, they now started to bring in officers from outside counties. That's what you gotta do. Some, you gotta fucking burn, you gotta burn, you gotta burn the building sometime to get a result. When you think
2: about defunding the police, think about what you just said, okay? You're talking about bringing uh, federal, probably uh, state troopers in to do your job. So what did you do? You cut your budget and you use these city cops, these state cops that sit on the highway and don't get involved with nothing except writing tickets. Now you, now we're going to use them for radio calls.
1: That's what you're saying. Because that's no. what you wanted to do in New York. Well, no, no. This is what you do. By you pressing the mayor and saying, hey, look, I'm not going to do this shit, you're going to have the citizenry the eight and a half million residents of New York that are gonna start to come down on the mayor and say, look, you gotta do something. Is that what happened? I think they all fled. That's what, no, no, but that's- Nobody, they all disappeared. No, no, the reason why it didn't happen was because the police commissioner didn't take a stand. The reason why it didn't happen is because
2: the people with the money in this city, they fled, they got no balls, they didn't wanna deal with it, so they left.
1: They left. In Minneapolis was the same thing. People said, look, you know what, this defund the police bullshit, It's not working. We need a plausible solution. Here, the police commission is just riding it out with whatever the mayor says. And as a result of that, the mayor is going unchecked and he's doing what the fuck he wants, putting Mm -hmm. the citizens of New York in harm's way. Now, what you mentioned about having the state troopers and the federal officers come in and answer the radio. No, it wouldn't happen that way. It would merely be a change in the strategy and how the NYPD polices these demonstrations. And that's what we're experiencing avoid.
0: You know, I want to just read this into the record. This was a press release from the office of the Brooklyn Borough President, Eric Adams.
1: Another winner.
0: Another winner. The DOI report accurately details the tactical errors and acts of heavy-handed policing we saw on our streets this summer. To rebuild trust between police and communities, we must make immediate changes to the NYPD now, as well as reforms that will change its culture for the future, including far more diversity in leadership and enhanced training in de-escalation and de-escalation and implicit bias. This is what this moron's talking about right. after, our, or after our cops were attacked. I have detailed my plans for the department and will continue to demand these changes are made before the next mayor is in office particular maybe the nypd must implement my recommendation for new specially trained unit officers with excellent communication and de-escalation skills echoed in doi's recommendations how come he didn't want to do police work when he was a cop all of a sudden he's general Patton. yeah, yeah.
1: well i'll tell
2: you something it sounds to me it sounds to me like they did the right job when you're talking about heavy handing policing if you look at, on a day-to-day basis, the riots and how long it occurred here, we had about, I think, a three- or four-day situation here. As opposed to other major cities like um, Minneapolis, like Portland, Oregon, um, like L.A., our situation here was, was short, it was brief. And maybe that's where the report comes from because they feel like it should have lasted longer. It should have dragged out more. Mark, it wasn't three more or four days.
0: It was about two weeks. It was at least two weeks.
2: Well, it was, there was days in between, not like Portland every single day. I think what they wanted was over here, they wanted Minneapolis. That's what they wanted over here, that was the goal. And then they found there wasn't, uh, because look at the chain, I tell you what, if you look at the chain of people that were outside central booking, I remember that photo that was in the newspaper. Um, so we still, we ha, we ha, the way we get locked up over here is you go through central booking. And that's a big, regardless of whether, you, you know, you're letting people out right away on desk appearance tickets, I saw the line out there and it was long. And these people get annoyed, the, the, the hired guns, the protesters, the the ones that are paid money to agitate. And they probably don't want to come here. They're probably like, fuck it. We can't, we can't, because we don't want to spend the whole night over there in jail. I just want to be able to uh, to do my business, get my money. It does. It's not worth it if I'm going to spend the whole night in jail. I need to get my money here. I want to make
1: money every day. I don't know, man. I, I just think that I, I felt that the NYPD had their hands tied as a result of dealing with the riots that plagued the city. And it goes back to it being a leadership issue, because I, I look at so many things that I was a part of in terms of or, or from a practitioner's perspective, riots that happen on the ground. And I thought that we did a good job in handling it. What happened here was a travesty, and it was something that was reflective of the leadership of Mayor Bill de Blasio.
0: That's where it's it's from, yeah. Because look, if you had a Louisiana this during these riots, he wouldn't have been able to do anything because he didn't have a mayor that was backing him.
1: Well, I think if you. No, no, that's not true. Okay, I'm sorry.
2: If you go back to uh, that uh, kettling. And you think maybe that was an incident that was supposed to really catapult. If, if you're sitting there and you're making the plan, we're gonna do this, that, and the other, we're gonna take the bridge, we're gonna disrupt, then we're gonna destroy city hall and these federal buildings. And then that thing, that whole thing fizzles out because you get involved in kettling. And then you realize, okay, this is probably not the best city. We're not gonna be able to destroy, destroy the city the way we want, the way we've been destroying the other cities maybe that's what that report is about, that they're upset and they're trying to make, uh, we got to create another situation. So when we do want a hostile takeover next time, the police will not be able to stand in our way.
1: I just want to go back to what Bill mentioned in terms of Louis Sanimon. I think if Louis Sandemann was the chief of department in this era, I think he would have been a person that would have would spoke to the mayor and said, look, man, if you're not going to let me do my job, I'm going to leave. I believe in what I do and I love what I do. You gotta let me do what I do. If you're not willing to accept me going out there to provide a blanket of protection for the New Yorkers um, that are under siege, then I'm out the door. I think it takes a person like that to push the envelope with the elected official, so the elected official opens their eyes and says, I got to do something that's plausibly satisfactory for for the citizenry, because the elected official is not a practitioner. The elected official is not the subject matter expert. What the elected official does is he or she taps talent, and that talent is the person or or, or the individuals that deal with things from a subject matter expert perspective. The mayor, it, 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 I mean, I listened to him left and right, and you would think that he went through the police academy, he was on the streets, he was locking people up, and he's a complete zero, he's a buffoon, and that's what's gotten us to where we are.
0: <laughs> I agree. I, well, I, You know, Darren, you're right, because if one of the top guys left over this, that would send such a huge message.
2: Well, but Petrano that- left in the middle of all this. What was it, what Was it
1: the Chief that? of patrol. Well, the the, the Pachado situation was a little different. It, his thing was, there was a, uh, I guess, I think he got into a dust up with the mayor and that's why he left. I am talking about a person in the hierarchy in the NYPD saying, look, you need to back the fuck up, Mayor de Blasio, and let us do what we need to do to uh-huh. keep these citizens safe. That oh, hasn't happened.
2: I, I think we agree with that. I think, I think that's what I was saying earlier. Right, because I think you were saying that that's
1: quitting, and that's not quitting. That's basically... No, I'm saying,
2: I say they shouldn't quit. I said he should have used all the resources that he had, never mind this soft touch, and then we'll argue about this later on after we had no riots here, and what are we arguing about? We got everybody safe, we got people locked up that should have been locked up, and that's it. Just
0: have that thing. The only time they looked like the NYPD of old is when they took City Hall back. Because they had the green light to do it. Yeah, take City exactly. Hall and back. what happened?
1: What happened, Bill? When they said you could take the, the NYPD could take back City Hall, what happened?
0: They took it back in about an hour.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that clearly shows you the practitioners know and understand better than anyone else how to execute on a policy that works.
2: Well, if that's an order that came from above, like you said, okay, we're going to take back City Hall then. You can't, you can't be a yo-yo like this. I'm not going to put my guys out there to get beat up one night. And then the next night you're going to let us do police work.
0: No, even the mayor had had enough at that point. And he said, yeah, go do it. I mean, he you has know, no idea not, how they did it, but. He's he,
2: not the one getting hit in the head with bricks. No. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to, if I'm the police chief, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at the, you know, be out there and see what's happening to my offices and say, okay, this is okay. Uh, You, you know, not, uh, you know, now you can get your helmets. I'd be like, no, we're not doing a second night of this. Everybody's showing up, hats and bats, bring your shields, bring all the toys and let's put this out.
0: Well, just so you know, uh, the, the sheer numbers of this, 400 cops got hurt during these riots. 400. Wow.
2: Well, you know, look at the other states. They're still going. They had 120 days or something like that of riots. Well, over the, there the government
0: Portland. should be removed if they let that happen. That's outrageous, you know. And, uh, you know, they they always blamed it when when Trump offered to have the National Guard or the feds come in, they were like, oh, my God, we got everything under control. And when they didn't, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, they were also, uh, you know, trying to inf- inf- uh, influence the media, you know, they, they uh, whatever was being filmed. Uh, you know they—they they you know—they There's certain footage that <laughs> they were lying about. Oh, this is a peaceful protest. Meanwhile, there's fires going on behind them. Yeah,
1: that—that that was the killer. You know, it amazed me. Everything was a peaceful protest, but there were riots that were afoot everywhere. So, you tell me if we have credible media that covers these things.
2: Yeah. So, what do you? What else you got going on there, Darren? How, how does this work anyway for our? Well, uh, uh, well uh, it's going to retire uh, soon. After- and they want to become tv personalities how do, how do they get how does one get on tv uh you know giving advice or get commentary on uh, you know their expertise
1: on wh- whatever line of police work they're, they're in well the short version is my old lady's about to put her foot up my ass because <laughs> I, i've been on with you for an hour and it's like <laughs> it's a quick, a quick Yo, thing play, play. no no i'm teasing no no that that's true but on on a serious note it's just one of these things that happens it's like what you guys do people listen to what you do and eventually somebody speaks to you and says hey look I'd like to use you for something and then it just progresses from there you guys are good at what you're doing I think what makes you guys so good is you're also comedians simultaneously to (laughs) being former police practitioners and that being said it makes what you present more wholesome or easily digestible, as opposed to listening to a person that's speaking to a political theory that's the equivalent of watching paint dry.
0: But the news uh, unintentionally sounds like comedy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
2: sad,
0: but sure. Well, you're
2: doing a hell of a job on there. I like watching you on there. You 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 look good in your suits. Well, thank you, you. I appreciate it. And I I wish you the best of luck. I thank you once again for joining us. Um, Get back on the couch with your wife.
1: Well, well, uh, no, no, it's not going to be on the couch. It's going to (laughs) be. I got chores in here. put a
2: t-shirt on next time you come on the show. I'm,
1: I'm getting Uh, itchy looking at you. Nah, man, come on, (laughs) absolutely, (laughs) Mark, Bill, I love you guys as always. It's a pleasure. Darren, so great to see you, man. And,
0: And you're something Let's hope 2021 is a much better year for police nationally and especially in New York City. You know, and I know that you are You always have the back of the NYPD. You're always true blue. And no matter how many years you've been retired, you'll always be blue, you know.
1: And it never will. No how, yeah, no matter how big of a star you become. <laughs> you're
0: yeah, I was going to ask you to borrow a few dollars.
1: <laughs> yeah, no problem. A 60% interest. <laughs> Listen, if you got
2: to go, Darren, I, you know, you can split. I just want to make an announcement here. Uh If you got a mug from us. Uh, I think you the best thing to do is not put it in the uh, dishwasher. Wash it by hand. I we yeah. got a comment that um,
0: the letters are coming off, and if yeah, the butter yeah. comes off, it, the mug isn't worth anything anymore.
2: <laughs> well, I just I noticed that when I felt it, it wasn't like the the, the old mugs that we got. Remember uh, the way the, the it's already it's in. It looks like it's in the mug. It looks yeah. So hand wash it. I know it sucks washing your own dishes, but it's one cup if you want it to last. Um, And we're going to get, uh, mugs out to the new, uh, Patreon subscribers. subscribers. Thank you so much. And for those of us who have paid attention to us throughout the year, uh, you know, recommend this to a friend, share our posts, uh, join, uh, the, if you could subscribe to YouTube, that would be great. It's a police off the cuff on YouTube. And, uh, Anything else, Bill?
0: Yeah, hit us up. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. We actually uh, gained three hundred more fans in the last on uh, YouTube in the last like month, uh, which is great, you know. And uh, some other people are helping us uh, get some of their fans or get their fans to watch us. And it's uh, a guy named Duty Ron has been helping us pick up our YouTube audience. And I just want to say tomorrow night I'm doing a special half hour show with. Uh, Retired detective Thomas Coglin, who's also a PhD. And we're gonna talk about Anthony Warner, the Nashville bomber, and his uh you know, his profile and what led him to what's that?
2: We didn't even talk about that tonight. Darren, what the Yeah,
0: f- we were gonna talk about his his um his profile and what led him to becoming a suicidal bomber. And that'll be with uh Dr. Thomas Coglin. It'll be on uh YouTube live at seven o'clock tomorrow night.
2: All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, Darren, for All being. All right. Here. Thank you, man. God Appreciate bless you, Have it, a New man. year. All the best. And we'll see you guys in the new year. All right. Cool.